You're listening to Derek McCutcheon's Rebellious Jukebox. On Cam Glen Radio.
Good evening and welcome to the Bearless Jukebox here in Cam Glen Radio on 107.9 FM with me, Derek McCutcheon, with you for the next couple of hours. We kicked off the show there with the Prime Evils. They're our featured artists here in Cam Glen Radio, so you'll catch them all over our daytime playlist. And that's because they've got a new album out, The Dividing Line, and that was a track from it, uh, High Street there. And the new album is out on May the 12th. Get on to their socials, uh, probably the best is theprimeevils.com. And it's all sorts of formats, including coloured vinyl, so do check that out. What's coming up in the show tonight? Well, Imogen Sterling, I'll be chatting to her about her poetry, her music, and a couple of shows she's coming up as well. So that's coming up later in the show. Here's The Fall. Um, I'll, t- I'll talk about that afterwards. The Fall with Black Monk theme.
fall. So I said I had something to mention. That was Black Monk theme, by the way. Uh, Ten years ago, last night, it was the fall at the ABC. Remember that, the ABC. Along with the Rosie Cruz Fiction and Big Ned. And that was a great night for me because three great bands that I really enjoy. Now, Savage Cut, they've got a new album out. Or coming out. Uh, let me see if I can tell you when exactly. Uh, the new album is called Holes in the Mind. Be with us shortly, but here's a track from it. This is Virus.
Savage Cut there with a virus and uh, the album I'm assured is going to be released round about the 30th of May and it will be available in physical copies, uh, CD version and do best on to the Savage Cut social media and uh, find out how to get a hold of that. And there's a video out there just now as well for that track Virus which is obviously an instrumental track but I'm looking forward to the release of the album 30th of May hopefully and uh, maybe get a chance to speak to the band as well. Here's Haystack Monolith and this is Never Give a Sword to a a man who can't dance. I was born in 1984 I'll stand up with my feet on a 
floor But years later, full of sweat, I had everything that I could get So I swapped the shoes for a blade of grass I left this world super fast Laughed every step of the way, there was nothing else that I could say
that was Images Sterling there with her uh, new project L- Love the Sinner and that was the track Envy and hopefully Imogen's on the line now and we can get a chat about it you there Imogen? I'm here thanks for doing this for us now uh, that was your first single from your project Love the Sinner which we can talk about but first could you maybe tell us about Imogen the performance poet playwright musician etc etc I mean, yeah, I work across a, a sort of variety of fields, I guess. Um, and the lines are the lines are so blurred between them all that it's sometimes hard to kind of choose a label. Um, but I say I, I mainly work in the area of performance poetry, but trying to take poetry into into music and into theatre, and, and generally just make it a bit more uh, a bit more palatable, a bit more a bit more accessible. I, I just think it's it's a really exciting uh, way to work with words and take it into sort of new, exciting, creative places. How did it all start for you then, obviously, getting into the, the poetry, I guess, at first? Um, I mean, I think I kind of fell into it, to be honest. I, I, I'd i gone to I'd gone to uni, I studied English Lit and, uh, and theatre, but never really had much of an interest in, in poetry at that point. Um, and I actually, when, I, when I'd left university, I went on a... I was working more in music at the time. I was part of a music duo, and we and we travelled in quite an ad hoc sort of way around around Europe for about 18, 18 months or so. Um, I just just touring, doing a lot of busking, doing a lot of foreign gigs, um, and then when I came back to Glasgow, I, I sort of stumbled upon the the spoken word scene, and I just it was really it was really thriving, and it it, it was just there were so many cool opportunities for writers to kind of platform themselves and their voices in a way that I hadn't really heard performance-wise before. Um, so I just thought I'd I'd give it a go, really, and, and then I, I ended up writing a, a Fringe show in 2018, I think, that was a sort of poetry-music blend, um, and it went really well, and I, I just loved it, and I, I loved the scope for what poetry and music together could look like, as opposed to, I suppose, music and, and lyrics. Um that, I suppose that was the, the starting point, really. And a musician as well, then? What What is your instrument? I'm a vocalist, so I've always felt quite, um, I don't know, quite frustrated, I suppose, because I don't have an instrument to play, and I guess it's always it's made me feel like a bit of a, a bit of an imposter, actually, in, in music scenes. Um, but it's, I suppose it's a real exciting thing to get to find new musicians and collaborators to work with whether whether that's sort of live instrumentalists or or the more kind of live electronics that I've moved into now um it makes it makes poetry a lot more collaborative I suppose which is not often what it's what it's known for and I would normally ask musicians then the, the early influences and that'd be around music but what about you and early influences for your creativity then I mean Again, like I think it's just there's there's always been such a I suppose such a cross I'm just interested in, in artists who use who use words in an interesting way, I suppose. And I, I guess when I was when I was working more in music I was really drawn to the sort of um I don't know, sort of Leonard Cohen, Bob Dylan, people whose 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 lyrics were really poetic, I suppose, and then um discovering artists, I guess, that were straddling that middle ground. Artists like Kay Tempest, I guess, is a really good example, who were really not, not shying away from the poetry, I suppose, um, and and writers too. And just, uh, I always really loved the, the 
beat generation poets who who sort of really loosely paired their their words with jazz music and and just just anyone who who can be I don't know who's who's drawn to words and is and is interesting with them I, I think. Now you're self-confessed of a renowned performance poet then, but is songwriting, is that something you do? Would you class yourself as a songwriter as well? I don't, probably not. It feels like it's it's too sort of weighty a label and I, I feel like I can't really live up to it, I suppose. And I, I don't know if it's maybe just because I feel like maybe I can write lyrics but can't write songs, I guess, has made me kind of shy away from that. But then... In Love the Sinner, which is the the project that I'm working on at the moment, the the the, the sort of main pieces within that project are referred to as songs. So I guess I'm I'm coming to maybe redefine what it means to be a songwriter, and and we'll maybe get a bit more confident in in claiming the the label. Yeah, and I was thinking that as well. Obviously, you know, the project let's say words to music, or music to words, but. Mm. Poetry and songwriting, I, I, I kind of see them as two separate things, and I guess a song has a different kind of structure from a poem, but do you see that? Um, I think generally they're two different things. Um, I can't really define why, to be honest. Um, I think it's a different... I think it's two different listening experiences to listen to a, to a song and listen to a poem. Um but then I don't know. I think that, and then I go to like I went to see um, uh, Self Esteem perform recently in Glasgow, and you know she had these these big portions of her set that were that were spoken and were really like much more poetic than they were songs, maybe. So then that blurs it all again for me. So I th- I think I think they're two separate things, and I think it's exciting that they're two separate things. But it's very cool when they can find that that moment of overlap too. Yeah, and you mentioned K Tempest there, and that, I guess that that's an example for everybody as well. Yeah. Now, uh, the the album was released on Friday. Would that be correct? Yes, yeah, that's right. But, but it's a bigger project than that, isn't it? It's kind of all encompassing thing. But how how did it come about? Um. So yeah, you're right. It's so it kind of exists in three parts as a as a book, as an album, and as a show, which um starts this week. Um. It was always written to be some sort of um, to be performed in some way. I didn't know whether that was, you know, as a as a theatre piece or as more of a performance poetry set. Um, but I was writing it just as as lockdown kind of hit, and it didn't really make sense to be writing for for a live performance, I suppose. So that's why I'd really moved my um, my site to to writing a book, and so it, bringing out this project, but as a as a poetry collection, which it just felt a bit more tangible and and manageable I guess at the time um and I was initially working because it was always to be another poetry and music um collaboration and I was originally working with more of a band setup so it was a, a a kind of blend of more rock musicians and and classical musicians and seeing how that those two sounds blended um but again sort of as a result of COVID and, and thinking about what might have been a more I don't know kind of COVID-friendly, minimalist, tourable setup. I thought that I'd experiment with electronic music. Um, and so I paired up with a, a brilliant um, producer called Sarah Carton to essentially write this electronic score for the piece. Um, and that, that grew and we, we worked together remotely over, over lockdown. Um, and then when the world sort of opened again, I, I toured it 
through the project as a either as a poetry set at literary events or as a music set at music festivals with Sarah um, over 2022. Um, and now gradually the piece has been adapted for uh for theater with a company called vanishing point and so it's now kind of built up to it, its fullest version of itself i suppose um which yeah begins begins this week and was this a commissioned piece or is this is it your own motivation that's pushing it towards this whole uh, all-encompassing you know the stage show and the album and the book obviously um it was kind of, so it started off just um kind of off my own back um and the book version of itself, uh, the book was picked up by a publisher called Verve, um, Verve Poetry Press, who are based in Birmingham. So they, they published the book. And then the um, to kind of shift the, the poetry into a more sort of theatrical script, I suppose, that was a co-commission between um, Vanishing Point themselves and a, and a producer called Luke Holbrook. Um, so they were really formative in kind of propelling propelling the piece into the the large version that it that it is now. And do you still maintain quite a bit of control over the creative side of the whole piece, you know, the show and, and the album? Yeah, absolutely, because I guess certainly and particularly with, with the stage show, it's a, it's a co production between myself and Vanishing Point and I think it it's been a really interesting partnership because they so they're a very well renowned theatre company who work mainly with I suppose with quite um visual work I guess their shows are actually not very word heavy but very very visual heavy um, and so I think for them and, and for their their artistic director uh, Matthew Lenton who's directing the piece um, it's been quite a challenge for them as well to, to come on to work with a poet and work work with so much text so it's been a really been a really balanced creative relationship actually I think we both understand what we can give to the project and what we can also learn from each other so it's it all feels. I, I still feel a lot of creative control, but actually, it's quite nice to have somebody else taking the reins for once. Because poetry is a lot of uh, you, you by yourself and just managing yourself. So it's actually, I'm, I'm happy to surrender some some control to them. And have you done such a project before? No, no. This is. Um, I mean, I I had a show called um, Hashtag Hypocrisy, which I. Had, it did it toured pretty widely, but it was very it was very small scale, and it was really just me and and the musicians that I was I was working with at the time, kind of orchestrating it and and managing it ourselves. So this all feels it's definitely the biggest show that I've worked on. Um, it's very very tech heavy as well, which is which is new to me, um, both in the the music and the sound design, but also there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of lighting, a lot of video, uh, a lot of projection. So it's. And it's a very big team as well, so it's it's definitely a, a learning curve for me putting it on. And there's obviously a concept there, and uh, maybe the clues and the first track envy tells about the concept then. Sure. Um, so love the sinner is based on the seven deadly sins, but it takes them and puts them as characters in a contemporary Scotland, a sort of Glasgow, but not quite. Um, and it really uses them as as these seven figures in a in a city that is very obsessed with um with self betterment and judgment and labels I suppose and, and it sees them uh over the course of an evening in their in their separate worlds while um in the background the the landscape of the city is changing quite drastically and in quite a 
a threatening way, and so it sort of shows their their isolation and their their them caught in their isolation and overthinking, I suppose, um, while there's this mounting uh, danger around them. And I guess you're, obviously you mentioned seven deadly sins. You, you're kind of mm-hmm. tied to that, but then obviously envy. Then tell us about envy. Obviously, you put your own steer on it. Yeah, I think. Well, I think what was so nice about working with them, um, because something that I find quite interesting about spoken word in general is that it's very well. It tends to be really personal as an art form. So it's a lot of a lot of people writing about their own lives, their own stories, um, their own traumas a lot of the time, and that just doesn't massively appeal to me. I, I really miss the, the theatricality and the characters that can exist in, in well, that exist in theatre and that I wish could exist more in spoken words. So I guess with the with the Seven Deadly Sins there's such there's such stereotypes, there's such gross sort of ugly concepts and I thought there was something really interesting and quite beautiful about about trying to find well, trying to find the beauty in, in these in these seven people, in these seven concepts. So yeah, each of them are very much personified they're no longer you know they're not sort of presented as, as concepts they're presented as seven people and envy envy i suppose she's a, a typical kind of social media obsessed um quite anxious um millennial figure who who is who's so smart as as like so much of the younger generation is so so smart so so savvy so kind of on it but also just crippled by the weight of growing up in a in a culture obsessed with um with image and digitally capturing and presenting your life and and sort of I guess caught up in the trap of that really and always yeah envious of what she could have of what she perceives other people to have and and striving for that herself. And the the book was a book, uh, the poetry was it done in isolation? Was the music working along with it whilst it's been done? How did that? Um, happen? it was, yeah, it was kind of a mix. So, I'd written, so the book, the the seven main tracks or poems or songs, um, for one for each of the characters, and then there are there are kind of narrative sections in between. And so the seven, I'd, I'd roughly written the seven main pieces, and I would send them to um, Sarah, who I was working with, and she would, she'd come up with something to go with them. And so there was a lot of back and forth. It was definitely strange working remotely and not just being able to get in a room together and, and kind of um, create things that way. Um, and then as she, as she kind of formed the music and and the the music for the songs, but also the music that, that sort of cushions the whole thing and that exists in these narrative sections, it definitely got me to then revisit my writing and sort of change things and write more to her to her, her style. Um, so, and when we when we finally did get together, it was it was really it was so great. It, it was a, must have been about a year down the line whenever uh, things all opened up again, and then there was a lot of sort of editing and, and rewriting from that point onwards. And had Sarah done such work before? Because if she hadn't, I guess it's quite a challenge for her. Um, sort of. So I, I, she has worked in theatre quite a lot. Um, I because I came across her at the Edinburgh Fringe once. Actually, she was doing a really brilliant show. It was a one-woman show uh, that she was performing in, and it was a kind of theatre electronic mix uh, about the female prison system. 
And so it was a lot of live electronics. And so she'd, she'd done that for herself. I don't think she'd really written in this way. Um, for an, At least not for a poet, I think. Um, so there was a lot of a lot of discussion about because it is very word heavy, um, just how to make sure that the music really had its place, but then it didn't overpower the the words. So it was, um, and then things that sounded fine when they were kind of recorded and and sent to each other. When we then first performed live, I don't know, you would realize actually the music was so much more. Uh, sort of prominent than we thought it was. Then we'd be working on stripping that back, and so it was. It was definitely a lot of give and take, um, and a lot of it sort of found out when we were when we were finally performing live. And the musicians is it the same musicians on the album that will be performing live? No, it's not actually. So Sarah is the is a composer for the full piece, um, but it's a, a musician called Sonia Kilman who's performing with me in the shows. Um, so Sarah performed with me when we were touring last year um, and Sonia's performing now. So she's performing Sarah's music, but also um, sort of building upon it. And, and um, yeah, we're both performing it live and writing some additional music to go with it. Uh, and then she performs on stage with me for the theatre shows, which is uh, it's pretty cool. It's a really, it's a really nice visual set up on stage. Can you give us a taste of what it will look like on stage? Yeah, so so it, well, it's quite unusual for certainly her placement. Um, she is in the front row of the audience. Um, so typically in in, in theatre shows, the musician will either be um, hidden, so they'll be off stage in some way or another, or maybe kind of to the back of the stage, or or perhaps on a raised platform. But because um, without sort of giving too much away, the the the, the set design is really. Um, it's very tall, it's very visible, um, it takes up a lot of the stage and so there wasn't room to put the musician there. So we have placed Sonia now in the uh, yeah, in the front row of the audience. So her and I are looking directly at each other when we perform, which is which is really nice actually, rather than having the musician hidden away somewhere. And it also means that the audience are really close around her, uh, which I think will be quite cool. It's quite quite an immersive sort of thing for her and for them. And it's not long till the stage shows then, so tell us where and when. Yeah, it's not long at all. So it, it opens on Thursday um, here in Glasgow at the Tron Theatre. So it runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then next week uh, we move to the Traverse Theatre in Edinburgh for the 16th and 17th, which I think is the Tuesday and Wednesday. And is a ticket still available? There are. They're selling very quickly, but there are a few tickets still available, yeah. So socials then, Imogen, obviously, if you want to find out more information, get the music, the tickets, etc. where should we be looking? Um, on all the socials, um, there, Imogen Sterling Poetry, I've got links to everything, and you can also find uh, Vanishing Point on all the socials too, who are linking to everything as well, and sharing little excerpts of the show and the design and what everything's looking like so far. Now the the new single, the latest single that's been released from it is Wrath, and we're going to play it with that. But uh, maybe you could tell us about obviously Wrath, the sin, obviously, but your interpretation mm. and what you're speaking about when you perform. Totally. Well, yeah, it's funny. I mean, with as, as I sort of said, I, I'm not 
massively keen on kind of writing from personal experience. I really prefer to write about other people's lives, other people's stories, or sort of imagined stories. But I'd say, like, if there's one, if there's one of the sins that I definitely feel most of myself in, it is it is Rass. And her her piece is essentially a commentary on the the multitude of rules and restrictions and ideas and contradictions that are that are forced upon women in a in today's society and how um as hard as you might try there's always someone who's going to criticize you or tell you what to do or say that you're doing the wrong thing and it's just trying to keep your head above water and um stay afloat on top of all of the uh chaos of what is what is put upon you Obviously, you've just released the album. You've got these two shows coming up. Have you got plans beyond that? We're still kind of figuring them out just now. Um, it definitely, there will definitely be another life for the show. Um, we're just seeing what form it will take currently. Right now, I, um, should I say break a leg? You're obviously absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> break a leg. Yeah, and then enjoy your shows. Oh, and thanks for doing this. Oh, and um, let's play out with Raf. Then do you want to introduce it? Introduce it. Absolutely. So this is uh, this is Raf, the second single from Love the Sinner, the album. Meditate. Count your breaths. Meditate. Meditate. Count your breaths. Wake up early, rise with the sun, don't snooze, don't lie in, lie in. Get a full eight hours, ten hours, nine, make like the Spanish, meditate. Every day, twice a day, when you wake, never more than once a week, appreciate. List five things you are grateful for, manifest, set intentions, cleanse, tone, apply, serum, eye cream, moisturise, oil up, sunscreen, hydrate, prime, sculpt your brows, dress your eyes, apply. Foundation, concealer, bronze, blush, highlight, lips, lips, lip, lips, powder and spray. Don't take too long on your appearance, don't think too much of your appearance, don't try too hard. Be natural in 12 easy steps. Dress up, dress down, wear heels, wear flats. It's hot outside, don't show skin. It's hot outside, show skin, not too much skin. It's hot. Skip breakfast, never skip breakfast. Fast intermittently, eat not too much, don't eat too much. Have one black coffee, good for the heart. Avoid caffeine, bad for the heart. Eat fruit, don't eat fruit before 11. It's high in sugar, drink water, juice everything. Yoga, run, stretch, move. Don't exercise too soon after eating. Don't, don't, don't do it like that. Don't, don't, don't do it like that. That don't, don't, don't do it like that. Don't, don't, don't do it like that. Rath can't understand why she's angry all the time. She works, work, 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 work. 
work for the wage, for the passion, for prestige, for the women. Care about money, don't care about money. It's progressive, it's vulgar. Procrastinate, it's healthy, don't procrastinate, it's lazy. Ten life hacks you never knew existed to make life better, to make you better, make you better, make you better, make you increase productivity, meet your deadlines, update socials on your lunch break, do yoga on your lunch break. Don't take your work home, don't, don't. Have a four-day week, have a work-life balance, meet your deadlines, meet your deadlines. Laugh off the colleagues who hit on you, the boss who patronises you, the city streets that see you as fair game, as prey. Put that away. And cycle home, get fresh air, ignore the cat calls, don't talk loud, don't take up space, take up space. Be a boss, bitch, be a feminist, don't be a feminist, don't call yourself a feminist. Understand why she's angry all the time. Be independent. Go out alone. Don't go out alone. Don't walk home alone. Text me when you get home. Don't wear headphones. Don't leave your drink. Don't think you're safe. Don't sleep with him. Don't dress like that. Don't entice him. Don't entice him. Fill your lips. Fill your tits. Fill your face. Lose your lines. Don't entice him. Act your age. Don't look your age. Don't try too hard. Don't get raped. Relax. Wind down. Have a bath. Practice self-care in a feminist way. One large Merlot, absolutely no booze. Do not use your gadgets. Screens are bad. Netflix, no chill. Drink tea. No caffeine after seven. Meditate. Meditate. Count your breaths. Listen to your breaths. Listen to music. Listen to nothing. Read a book. Have a snack. Do not eat. Remove your makeup. Never sleep. In your makeup, never let a man see you without your makeup. Cleanse, eye cream, tone, serum, retinol, moisturize, face oil. Perfect sleep in seven simple steps. Set, don't set an alarm. You're listening to Derek McCutcheon's Rebellious Jukebox on Cam Glen Radio, 107.9 FM.
That was the Velt there with Everlasting Gobstopper, which has kind of passed me by. That was recorded 35 years ago, but it was produced by Robin Guthrie of the Cocteau Twins, and I'm a massive Cocteau Twins fan. And that, you know, if, if the, the demise of the Cocteau Twins, if I had heard the Velt, I'd probably get myself into that as well. But that's just been released on a 12-inch, and uh, the B-side is a newer track, which is also produced by Robin Guthrie, and that's called Joshua Lullaby. So Ennis used to play something by the Cocteau Twins. Here's Donimo.
Derek McCutcheon. On Cam Glen Radio.
the Rosie Crucifixion there, Night of the Whalers, I mentioned earlier that ten years ago, last night, I saw the fall, the Rosie Crucifixion and Big Ned at ABC. I certainly saw the fall after that, but that may have been the last time I saw the Rosie Crucifixion and Big Ned. Anyway, it was out Saturday, the Scars featuring Tam Dean Burnham we spoke to a couple of weeks ago. That gig was on along with Port Sulphur. Brilliant it was too, and this was this is a demo that they did for our show for the chat a couple of weeks ago. But they did play this on the night, and it was brilliant as well. This is radiation. Patterns from the recognition. 
From Cross to Fern Hill, from High Cross Hill to Halfway, and across the southeast of Glasgow. This is Cam Glen Radio, one hundred seven point nine FM, your local station. That was the rotations there from their new album, Inclined to Mind. And there's a video out for that one you should check out as well. And you should check out the album as well. It's pretty cool. Girls in Synthesis, they, I saw them last year. Uh, they released an album last year as well. And they've just released a single. This is brand new. This is I Know No Other Way. <laughs> Thank you. 
You're listening to Rebellious Jukebox with Derek McCutcheon on Camland Radio 107.9. Kidney Flowers there, that's the new single Laces, keep an eye out for the new album, which is at the pressing plant just now, so you'll be able to get that in vinyl later in the year, and I'll surely tell you about that as well. On Saturday the Scars featuring Tam Dean Byrne were supported by Port Sulphur they were brilliant as well Uh, full band and this is one of the tracks off their latest album, and I think this is the latest single as well, this is Badder Grove
Derek McCutcheon on Cam Glen Radio.
That was Bobby Lee's there with gutter milk. Here is Cheap Teeth. This is from 2021. This is I Am The Mud. Halfway from Stonewall to Bankhead and across the southeast of Glasgow. This is Cam Glen Radio 107.9 FM.
Diablo in the chapel. He turns around and half whispers to me and says, Do you hear the door? Laps there with TCR. Hope they get themselves back out and playing live again. I'll get up myself a lot of that. That was a great gig in mono. Whatever last year, it must have been last year. 2004 Prodigy released Hot Ride. Here it is.
Delay a bit of prodigy. Hope you caught uh, Imogen chatting earlier on about her album and a couple of shows that are coming up as well. One in Glasgow and still some tickets out there as well. So check the socials. And on the daytime playlist, the Mickey Nines have a Gang of Four cover. So made me think, why not? Why don't we play something in Gang of Four? Here's Anthrax to close the show. Myself. Also, have the things I'm doing. 
You've got to fly. You've got to fly. 